welcome to another episode of the Potato Files. Today, my guest is my cousin, blood relative, funny, funny comedian, veteran at the game, Mr. John Paul. How you doing today, John? What's up, fam? For those of you who don't know either of us, um, John Paul is a very black man, and I am a very white man. <laughs> and um, we just, the only thing we really have in common is our last name. And I don't even think it came from the same place. But hey, we're here now. We're going uh, to get to know a little more about John Paul. Um, this is the Potato files nice. we're on the never sleeps network here each show is i just bring in a good friend and i ask some uncomfortable questions things i want to know about them and then things the listening audience can find out about them nothing is uncomfortable for me <laughs> you uh you've been at this quite a while You're, quite a while uh, 21 years has it been about that i mean i officially quit my job in 1998 1998 yeah. eh? and just been living off funny money ever since yes sir that's good, though. And uh, when did you get married? 2006. Okay. And she's been with you since the beginning of... Uh... She, Yeah, I'd, I'd probably say she, she met me, my wife met me um, maybe a, a year into... A year before I actually quit my job. Okay. So she had kind of just met me and then... Uh, you were, you were just getting good at comedy. It, not even. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, and then I good sprung enough, it on though. her that I was going to quit my full-time job. And she was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so and we've been together ever since. Ah, oh, nice, nice. Well, we'll get to that. We're going to start at the beginning. Um, I uh, I just uh, uh, like to like to get a whole uh timeline of everyone here Oof. you were you born in trinidad i was i was born in trinidad and uh when did you come to canada it's a mix mash of stuff uh we came when i was uh two almost three and then uh moved back when i was nine and then we eventually moved back again just before my uh preteen years gee that must have been uh tough as a kid uh, oddly enough, now that I think back about it, I think it, it aided in making me comfortable with being, because uh, I'm an only child on top of everything. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I think it made me comfortable or it forced me into being comfortable into to being in, in uncomfortable situations and meeting new people. And I think it actually helps being on stage. Like, I mean, I, I, at the time, you know, it was, it was it was tough, but now now I'm okay being anywhere in yeah. front of anybody. Yeah, yeah, I bet, I bet. So you came over when you're two, so you started school in Canada. Mm -hmm. And then what what was the difference when you went back to Trinidad? Like uh, a lot more strict, man. Yeah, it, and it's funny too because uh, the Caribbean or the Trinidadian school uh, system is very much patterned after the the British school system. So it was uniforms and 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 you had to stand up. That was the big thing I remember. Like when the, <laughs> the teacher asked you a question, you had to stand up to answer and stuff like that. So the funny we're part we're just fucking lazy here. Yeah, yeah. When, yeah, I, yeah, when yeah, I came whatever, back, what? <laughs> when I came back in like grade seven or whatever, it was just force of habit because I just fresh come back from the summer. And uh, the teachers here would ask me the question and I would always stand up and all my Canadian friends were like, you don't have to stand up, man. And the teachers were like, no, no, I, I kind of like it. So um, <laughs> I don't know if I was respecting. Did it catch or, on? No, not Everyone at all. Everyone standing up? Not at all. They were like, you're ruining it for us. Oh, man, that's funny. But yeah, it was it was just different. And and they beat you in uh, in on the islands. Like they just actually like, would have like a, a switch. On your hands? Yeah, man. Uh, or on your ass. Your, the old yardstick? Yeah, uh, not even. They would make you pick a branch from the tree. <laughs> you would have to pick the branch? Yeah, man. And and what if you picked a tiny branch? Uh, then you, <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Then it's even worse. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then they just run you over with the car. Yeah, the teacher goes and rips the antenna <laughs> off his car. <laughs> <and just starts laughs> <running>. <laughs> 
Oh, that's funny. What, uh, what were your parents like when you were a kid? They were pretty cool. My dad, my dad's always been uh, very sociable. My mom was a typical mom, you know, proud of her kid type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, good wife, good mom, that kind of stuff. Uh, my dad was just a social dude. He was actually uh, pretty funny and uh, liked to entertain. I loved into still to this day into just music. Loves any type of music mm-hmm. from jazz to R and B to old soul to to hip hop to you name it. Like he if he thinks someone is an actual artist uh, and enjoys what they do, he's he's pretty much into them. Like oddly enough, huge Jay Z fan. <laughs> What's his thoughts on comedy though? He's he's always actually been a fan of, of comedy. It, and and oddly enough, I think my dad and and my uncles uh, by extension were resp- not responsible, but they put certain people in front of me. Like in in the early days when we lived in, even when we lived in Trinidad. Because this is when when LPs and records and vinyl were still <laughs> around, and my, my dad had uh, a ton of Richard Pryor albums and a ton yes. of George Carlin albums and a ton of Bill Cosby albums yeah. and and uh, stuff like that. So and and they were also into comedy like Robert Klein, Jonathan Winters, you know that kind of stuff. So whenever they were on TV, you know they they had an appreciation for comedy. They just weren't as uh, my dad just as as I got older and wanted to do it didn't have much of an appreciation for me doing comedy. <laughs> but uh but he he definitely definitely liked comedy. I was uh, I was on my dad when I was growing up like my dad loves telling a joke. He loves getting the laughs, but he has no idea what I'm doing. He's like, I don't, he, he doesn't understand the world of comedy. He doesn't, no. he won't come to see me. Yeah. No. He'll never listen to this. Yeah. I don't He's like, he's a hardworking guy. He's like middle-class, like bust. He's been busting his ass for 40 years at his, uh, same, same, his job. Same thing with my dad. It, it, and, and again, I don't know how it, how it's, on your side, but I mean, here are two people that left a country to provide an opportunity for their kid to have an opportunity that they didn't have. And I was like, oh, mm. fuck it. I want to tell jokes. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't have that opportunity and, down and, there. And they're like, great. <laughs> how's, how's the open mic scene in Trinidad? <laughs> Oddly enough, the the comedy scene has picked up a little bit but the weird part about the the comedy scene is it's still very um i always describe it as very vaudevillian kind of old school a lot of these guys personalize street jokes but there's a a new generation of of comedians that have that have come up that grew up on cable yeah yeah. so like well that's the thing now like everything's so available you 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 can't have the excuse. We're like, well, that's what we do yeah, no, here. You yeah, know, no. like, no, you know what everyone does. And they actually you write see jokes. It. So it's yeah. funny, too, because the two um, audiences are different. Like, you have the country, country ones that still laugh when dudes dress up like women. And it's all about scandal and yeah, ridiculous, yeah. you know, double entendre and shit like that. And then you have this younger, newer generation that actually are trying to write situational jokes with actually setups and punchlines and stuff like that. But it's funny because they never the twain shall shall meet like you mm-hmm. can't really you can have them on on the same show mm-hmm. but depending upon whose audience shows you're up you're gonna have the crowd for yeah. half the comics yeah, yeah. yeah that makes sense yeah kira's been bugging me to go uh you know fatima mm-hmm. she lives down in the bahamas mm-hmm. now she's like let's go see fatima i'm like you know what i'll go if you guys set up some shows like i totally go like uh, if you want if she's got a nice house there we could set totally some, we could set some real shows up and go down there Dude, I, think it, I think it would be amazing because i think they would get it you know what the thing is i i think um uh, places like the bahamas i think are more americanized than than specific countries like jamaica trinidad even barbados and grenada to a, a certain extent have um less 
American influences when it comes to art and culture and stuff like that. Whereas mm. the Bahamas and Bermuda and places like that are still, I don't want to say connected to the mainland kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. So, uh, and a lot of expats and stuff like that. So they would, I think they would get our stuff as well as a mix of some of the island stuff because that's what, what they live. You know, yeah. it's still hot. People still move slow, you know, that kind of crazy shit. So, so what's, uh, what's your home life? In Canada, when you're you're here from your two, two to nine, where are you guys living? Two to nine, uh, Fleming Park. Uh, uh, technically, I guess you could kind of call it the hood. It was a lower income housing area where I think a lot of immigrants and uh, and uh, Canadians who who um, lived off of social assistance and pogi and UI yeah. and all that welfare and all that kind of shit. Pretty much every time my parents got a better job, we would move to a, a place. better place. Yeah, but higher income, higher income, higher income. So a lot easier with one kid too. Yeah, yeah. So it was uh, just uh, I, I knew we were doing well because uh, the cockroaches would get less and less and less and less. <laughs> and less. And so we traded in our rats for mice. Pretty it's much, <laughs> pretty much. Moving on up. Teresa. <laughs> Is your dad like a loving dad, or is he just one of those hard work and go out there, grind every day, come home kind of? Um, a little upset at the world, or nah? He wasn't. He's not upset at the world. He, he definitely was a hard worker. He he went into the uh, the financial sector and banking and stuff like that. Okay. Um, not necessarily a loving dad, just not a. Um, even even if you talk to my dad now as just as a regular person, he he speaks in very low and he's a mumbler. So he like if you see my dad, he be like, "Hey Joe, you and everything cool?" And then you're like, "What did your dad say?" Um, so he's just very much. He's only really uh, vocal when he's hanging out with like his friends and his peoples, and then I guess he gets excited and shit like that. But for the most part, I mean, good dad, good provider. Uh, he never really. Uh, overtly tried to stop me from doing anything mm -hmm. um, and mostly because not not that I don't think he could have it's just that uh, even when I, I decided to go into comedy um, how old were you when you when I actually started started yeah. or yeah. made the first attempt I was 19 yeah. and then I kind of bumped around couches for a while and then uh, and then I saw that you know he wasn't too happy and I tried to go to school uh, to make them happy mm -hmm. uh, my mom didn't really give a shit she just wanted me to be happy kind of you know yeah. typical mom kind of thing and then when I realized it wasn't working for me I just I was I was too stupid to know any better and I had nobody to be compared to. It's like, why can't you be like your older blah, blah, blah? Or why can't you be like your younger? So there was no one to to compare me with. And and, and I was too stupid to know it better. And I just kind of head down and kept doing and going okay. and that kind of thing. It worked out. Thank God. <laughs> Wouldn't want to have to hear that shit every Christmas. <laughs> uh, what was the reason you guys go back to Trinidad? So the crazy part is Trinidad's not really, Trinidad and Tobago's not known for its tourism. It's mm -hmm. known for oil and natural gas and bauxite and all sorts of natural resources and shit like that. Tiny little island. So in the 80s, they hit a huge oil boom, like huge oil boom. They needed uh, expertise. And and again, it's one of those islands where, you know, it, it's, it's not always who you know, not always what you know, but who you know and uh, my dad's friends were like hey we need some big financial banking people in Trinidad right or come down <laughs> and then my dad was like we're moving to Trinidad and then we we picked up and went and uh and they had like I said had the big oil boom had the nice house and the cars and go to the beach and beach house and all sorts of crazy oh, shit nice, yeah. nice. I guess you would know when you were uh two when you moved out like you can't compare what their life was before this um, like, I have, no, have zero clue. All I yeah. know is we come from, uh, as you know, uh, <laughs> we come from a big family, like on both sides, like on, on, on both my mom and dad's sides, they have like six siblings between, you know, on, yeah, my dad's on, got seven in his and my mom's got six. Yeah. So lots of uncles, uh, aunts, cousins, all that kind of good stuff. 
predominantly grew up uh, where you what you would consider the country in Trinidad. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people would probably consider the whole island <laughs> country, but some of it is actually built up and industrial. Yeah. Um, but they they grew up maybe about or or where I was even born is maybe just under an hour outside of of uh, Port of Spain um, in a small town called small town called Sangre Grande, and uh, uh, very very simple people. My Grandfather, my dad's dad, was a principal of of the local uh, one of the local schools, a very respected principal. My grandmother was typical grandmother, um, used to make sweets and sell stuff to. Uh, I guess our corner, corner stores were called parlors, yeah. uh, so she would make like sugar cake and and cakes and and pies and stuff like that, and she would sell. You know, it's old, real old school yeah, kind of when shit. People bought open food. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like driving to Ottawa and cutting through Campville or some shit. Right? Um, I love stopping at the. Beginning. <laughs> and uh, on my mom's side, they owned a drugstore. They owned pretty much the the first and, and only real drugstore um, in in this in the town in the little town that we lived in. So I mean, we were I guess middle to upper middle yeah. class back there. What's the adjustment for you when you go back there? Are you happy? No. Or, no when you went back when you were nine. Like, was it a good thing for you? Did you enjoy it or? I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it because, again, I still had actual family and, and friends that, you know, I had no. Because even, even. You would visit. Yes. In between yeah, the, yeah. the two to nine, you know, we're going on vacation, kids. And then, you know, or we're going on vacation. And then it, it was back to Trinidad. It wasn't yeah. a vacation. We never did. It was always going back yeah, to see family, yeah. stay for free. Yeah, yeah. I never did Disneyland. I yeah. never did, you know, never went to LA, never went to New York, never did mm-hmm. any of that shit. It was always back to Trinidad with a barrel full of rice for all the fucking, <laughs> you know, homies back home kind of thing um so it was it was weird because i had to leave and i actually had friends because you know we grew up in Mm -hmm. in flemington and and uh some of my actual friends that i still have now are still some of my original friends that i grew up with you know since i was like three four five uh, you know all the way up Mm -hmm. um until we left uh but um the adjustment was quick. I mean, parents, you know, they cared. They, they gave a shit about me. So yeah. it was just one of those. All right, cool. I, I didn't know any. I didn't know any better. You know what I mean. So whatever they decided, I was like, "Fuck it, let's do it." Uh, what what brings what brings you guys back to Canada? I think the oil boom started to to uh, to to wane, and and again, another job opportunity. Uh, dad gets call, and hey, you know, here's uh, you know a chance at uh, executive at. The Royal Trust or whatever the bank was. And then eventually he moved on to be like uh, this major executive at uh, at Levi's and Strauss, oddly enough, which was great because out through my entire high school, I was like the Levi's kid from shoes <laughs> to so- yeah, ones, from socks to shoes to running shoes to jackets. To, they, they make a quality product. Dude, trust me. I loved it, man. <laughs> Everything was Levi's. So, um, so yeah, he just, uh, again, he, he got a better job and then uh, we brought you back, go to back to the same neighborhood. Originally, yes. And then we, we left there and we weren't there long. Then I went to high school and then I went to high school, uh, private school, um, cause, uh, my parents didn't want me messing around with the neighborhood kids. And, <laughs> and then uh, we moved to Scarborough and then bought a house and then they dipped and just before university would, I would have considered university. And then, uh, they went, they moved to London cause dad got a, position um another higher executive position with levi's at the south southwestern ontario region uh shitty london yes exactly and then um they still there no 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 they're back in trinidad now they were they still together my parents yeah yeah yeah. how long has that been almost 50 years man Ah. yeah yeah yeah. they got married wrongly they got married at like 21 22 
So almost mm-hmm. 50 years, man. And and that's when, right around when I decided I was going to do comedy. And then I lived off a bunch of couches for a while and they dipped and went to London for a couple of years. And then luckily they moved back. And as soon as they move back, basement, baby. Mom, I've got some laundry that's been uh, adding up. <laughs> trust me. It's all in this duffel bag. <laughs> so what's your high school life, life like then? If it's private school, is it all boys or... All boys, um, a lot of girl schools close by. Wasn't like that. Fuck you guys. Um, uh, it was actually really good. It, it Sports was or everything had. Yeah. Uh, it was very social. Uh, I met still again. Still, some of my closest friends um, are, are some of my high school friends. Uh, even tomorrow, I, I get to we're, we're going out to an alumni game tomorrow. A whole bunch group of us. Um, but it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I, high school, I think, was the the catalyst um, for finally making because I knew at twelve that, that I wanted to, to be a comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, but it probably wasn't until eighteen that uh, because of high school that I knew I was going to be like I was going to make the attempt. Then I eventually went to uh, Yucks on an amateur night. Ironically, of all the people. I've got nothing bad to say about him, even though I know a lot of a lot of the comedians, um, you know, past and present, aren't huge fans of of uh, Ron Vaudry. Um, I've never met him, but you know, uh, you've heard, obviously you've heard the story. No, so I, I've heard a, some stories. Yeah, but I never met the man. Yeah, so I'm sure I'm sure the people you talk to are either take it or leave it kind yeah, of yeah. kind of dude. And and I have absolutely nothing bad to say about the man from from my. POV. He was actually the first he emceed and he was actually the and, and again I'd never done comedy before. Mm-hmm. I went up for amateur night, did my thing, and then he was the first dude that said, Hey, I, you know, I, I think you should this is something you should continue. Of all the people in the entire world to yeah. be supportive on the first go round <laughs> would not be Ron Vaudry, would not be people's first pick. My uh my first uh influence and uh encouraging words was uh Tim Golden. He headlined the first show I ever did. Oh shit, okay. Yeah, and then he's like, buddy. He's like, you got something there. Keep it up. Yeah. And uh, he's uh, he's probably my uh, longest running friend in stand up. Fucking funny dude, man. Yeah, he's. Uh, hey. I, I make him headline yeah. my show once a month. Last Wednesday every month. That's Tim Golden night, and that's just for me. And sometimes, I sometimes I wish you would wear mascara. I just want to watch you cry and just have that shit run down. You're always crying in the back when yeah, he's, he's the on. best, yeah. man. It's just yeah. it's, I've never seen somebody so fucking fearless. I agree. And, and just funny yeah. and smart, so and silly smart. and well put together. Yeah. As far as the the, the oh, it's great. It's just fantastic. Doesn't give a shit who he yeah. offends, yeah. and he's I love just like, it. this is that's uh, comedy. This is my point of view. That's comedy. Fuck you if you don't like it. But you're not too far off from that. As far as as uh, not giving a shit. Oh, I don't give a fuck. But I, I I I can't write a smart joke like that. Like my jokes, I can write are they're offensive. I know they're offensive. I'm smart enough for that. But I can't. Yeah, but I don't necessarily think you write jokes to be offensive. I think th- I just think that you that's just how my mind works yes and I, I think unfortunately we just live in a in a shitty time where you most people feel forced or corralled into having to to you know worry about you know mm-hmm. everyone's feelings which i think is fucking stupid oh yeah i don't i don't give a fuck about anyone's feelings but that's how, like i what i love about golden is he'll like say like a very like he hates all religion and he'll yeah. attack it equally yeah. but like if he's doing a joke about a Muslim, he'll find the Muslim in the crowd and just look Go at right them at him. Yeah, while yeah. he's saying yeah. it. It's just like Jesus, he yeah. doesn't fucking care. Yeah. And then he goes home to his uh, lovely family, wife and kids. <laughs> wakes up and he's a lawyer in the morning. Straightens straightens his tie. <laughs> yeah, just like. But I always tell there's no possible way he's a better lawyer than comedian. No, 
So, no. so I mean, sometimes like people like paying bills. I agree. And Agreed. It's, that's Agreed. a hard thing to do in Canadian comedy. Agreed. Um, so, so you uh, eighteen, you hit the your first mic, mm-hmm. and Vaudry gives you the uh, thumbs up. Do mm-hmm. you uh, do you go right into it after that, or? Oddly enough, I uh, I met a couple people that are still uh, still instrumental or, or uh, big parts of my life comedically as well as uh, socially. Uh, I met uh, Russell Peters, uh, who's still a really 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 good friend of mine, one of my best friends actually. And I say, uh, you guys, fucking flying private jets to Vegas. <laughs> uh, no, you know how it goes. Uh, I'm, I'm just a squirrel trying to get in that homie. <laughs> and uh, and Kenny Robinson. Uh, oddly enough, uh, Russell. Uh, later on had introduced me to him and then so in between first starting and then there was a space where like i said i tried to go back to school for a bit and then that just really wasn't working for me what'd you go back for what what was your uh I tried to take marketing because my dad was into to that kind of shit right Mm because i mean i really didn't even I, i i really knew i went not for myself because I, I didn't even try to find something that I would be into. And mm-hmm. then the only other thing that I had tried to apply for, and it was one of those programs you had to apply for, and this is going to sound really weird, but growing up when I would go to Trinidad and this is like in the inception of like music videos and shit like that, uh, reggae and like soca videos were like the, and still some to, to this day, oddly in 2016 <laughs> are some of the cheesiest, like just the quality, the just, just all of it was just horrible. So my big thing was when I lived here growing up as even as a, as a young kid, like maybe like 11 or whatever. I always said I would go to school, learn how to like edit videos and all that kind of stuff. And I would move back to the Caribbean and I would make a mint and make videos, (laughs) open a production house. But again, I had zero concept of, you know, what it took to do that. So when I finally uh, got of that age and and because I had started comedy, I didn't really give a shit about school. Not that I I, I was stupid or, or, you know, couldn't hack it or whatever. I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And uh, I applied for... um, the Seneca College had a uh, a co-join um, program with York University for like film and, and video, and it was very competitive as far as uh, limited. And I had zero; uh, I, I hadn't taken any art classes because uh, the private school I went to was all academic. It was all history, geography, yeah. English, Latin, for Christ's sake. <laughs> And so when I made the application for it, it, it got denied. And then after that, I was like, oh, apparently this isn't for me. And I just dove headfirst into comedy after that, man. And it, did you find it hard starting out? Like I was having too much fun. It seemed like a natural. Yeah, I had I was having too much fun. And uh, I can definitely say I wasted a lot of years. And, and, and wasted is a strong word. I think if I had more structure and stuff like that, it, the same thing you said, uh, because I had a natural sense of timing, I was having so much fun. And, and I just couldn't believe that, you know, one, people would let me tell jokes, give me a microphone, you know, pay me, give me drinks, give me food, mm-hmm. you know, hang out with me, that kind of, and let me hang out and stuff like that. So... And it was probably, uh, I, I always said if I had to, to name, you know, a comedy album, it would be Comedy Made Me Cool, you know, because <laughs> I was a skinny dude, uh, crooked as shit teeth, hair, had, I had zero style, but being funny for whatever reason erased all of that visually for people who thought you were funny and, and girls who had no right to talk to me. Oh, buddy, I know. I'm, yeah. uh, I'm living with a <laughs> yeah, woman you're living, you're living now, way yeah. out of my fucking <laughs> yeah. league, and it is, I make her laugh, yeah. <laughs> and that's all yeah. it takes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so that, that kind of changed. 
changed everything and i and i know i wasted uh a lot of time um you know kind of messing around but i'm, I'm okay with that because you know the whole was it the whole ten ten thousand hours you know yeah. what i mean so I, I think i i have a better grasp now and plus it's just a different time that we live in now where yeah. a lot of people who aren't fucking funny uh think because they have a room or you know they do a night and they got a bunch of friends and all they think they're funny and this but then like, you're not man Put yeah, in there's, there's, there's a lot of people out there and they're yeah. just uh everyone's got a voice now it's yeah. a it's a weird thing yeah but um I, I do think the cream still rises to the top. I agree, too. They grew up in a time of participation ribbons. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, we used to have to win shit in order to, to be acknowledged. Now everybody gets acknowledged. And it's like, no, nah, fuck that, man. I ain't mm-hmm. about that. I do wish I would have started earlier. Like, I, I first time I hit a stage, I was 28. And then I didn't do anything with it for two, two and a half years. And then I was like, okay, maybe I'll try to be a comic i'm already in my 30s well that's not much different than me so i mean you're you're definitely in good uh <laughs> you're definitely in good standing because i mean i when i jumped back into the game after being out of it for years i was 26 and then i didn't quit my job until 28 mm-hmm. and then you know and then again i like i said I, I i fucked around but you you definitely even now that you telling me this i feel better about not necessarily your chances, you know, to say that I've squandered my chances, but yeah. I feel better. You're you at least have an idea. You're more mature, and you have an idea. Oh, yeah, of I finally have something to talk started. about. Yes. You know, like I want to do comedy at eighteen, but yeah. what the fuck am I going to talk about yeah, at eighteen? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. oh, my dad uh, yeah, yeah. won't let yeah, me use the car this yeah, yeah. weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but like I came in, I came in fire, and I, I had a divorce under my belt. I was ready to Perfect, rock. You know, man. you got the fucking comedian <laughs> starter kit. Yeah, you got like, the starter. You opened up the briefcase. Hunter Collins went. Hunter always makes jokes about uh, his ex-wife. He does that. My ex-wife. Married? No, no, no. Oh. He just makes. He just. He just makes that joke. And then when he met me, and I was doing jokes about, my, he's like, "You really have an ex-wife?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's hilarious. like, "Hilarious." He's like, "Fuck, I'm so jealous." That's hilarious. <laughs> I'm telling you, the comedian starter kit. <laughs> Fuck all those. My girlfriend. I just broke up with my girlfriend. Bits. <laughs> um. So you're uh, you're kicking ass in the comedy game. You got a, you got your little crew. When's Russell take off? Like quickly like or no. like no no what i tell people uh whenever anybody asks me uh, russell to be honest with you has only become mega mega big in the last 10 years mm-hmm. which is crazy but uh since we met which would be 20 odd years ago he's never stopped work like he's just that guy like people yeah. don't see it but the process that he went through which um, when I and, and I and I laugh because you know when we were on the private jet and we're coming back from <laughs> Vegas and we're talking about it and I'm like when you think about it I'm like dude you you never you've never taken a vacation like he would do cross Canada shows and then he'd dip for you know six to eight weeks and then he'd go to, to England and then he'd come back here and then he'd mm-hmm. go back to England and then yeah, his and vacations then, yeah. are where, where am I going to go do shows? And next? then he would pick up steam in England. And then from England, because the way that Europe is set up, he'd go to Ireland and he'd do stuff in Ireland. Then he'd do well there. And then he'd come back and then he'd go to Scotland. And then he'd go to Hong Kong and then he'd go to Dubai and then he'd mm-hmm. go to South Africa and then he'd go to Australia. And then he'd come back to Canada. And then he'd, yeah. he had literally done the entire world except for America. Yeah. So by the time he had hit his 10,000 hours and he also had the luxury of when YouTube came out, there was no real content. And then somebody uploaded his comedy now video which then at that point went fucking that that was the the personification of viral yeah and that's pretty much he didn't even know he went viral he was uh 
where's he in Singapore or some shit like that about to do shows and then somebody called him and he's like oh my god and then uh and then the promoter was going crazy because the show then sold out like just like that and they had to add more shows and he was like what the fuck is going on <laughs> and then somebody called him and was like yo dude you better check out and he's like yeah. I don't even know what the fuck YouTube is <laughs> and then uh, and that was the inception of of pretty much everything going crazy yeah well that's like uh like uh, from my crew, that's what's happening with Trev right now. K Trev, yeah, man. like he's uh, dude, but he's been he's been at it yeah. for forever, a long time, and now it's finally paying off. Yeah. But it's like right time, right place, yeah, and right now, time. Like his next ten years are going to be fucking insane. Working, yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, that's a beautiful part about it, man. And and it, and I like. I'm still of that generation, uh, and again, I, I, I don't hang out with enough younger, like I hang around younger guys, but I don't hang out with enough younger guys to know whether this is their mentality or whether they're all solo or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always been about the crew, and, and it, yeah. you know, uh, it, one guy makes it through, and we technically all make it through. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And that that's just how I think anything should be, you mm-hmm. know? Um, well, that's you know. it, like, because Trev, Trev's got this, he's working on a show right now, and he's, yep. like, he's like, this is, you know, I bring people... Yeah. Like, yeah. I get the show going, I get you guys coming on, doing guest spots, and, like, that's that's how we've always been. It, like, it's just, now it's on a different scale, you know? Exactly. Like, exactly. it's like, hey, man, I got this show, it's a couple hundred bucks, we gotta drive for a bit, but hey, you wanna do it, and it's just... But that's where the that's where the magic happens, yeah, yeah. Is, is on those, it's not it's not always the, the soft cedar theater gigs that, you know, that you grow, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's the shitty gigs that, you know, that you get punched in the gut and forces yeah. you to chin check. But yeah, that makes it's like the, the thing I love about comedy, I love the social aspect of it. Like I, if we could get rid of the actual going on stage and telling jokes <laughs> and then we just all fucking hang out every night yeah. and just, that'd be fucking yeah. great. I, I, I agree. I like agree. last night I'm enjoying the baseball game. I get fucking just lit up and then the game ends. I'm like, oh shit. Now there's go, a show I gotta work. <laughs> I gotta work. Ooh, yeah. 15 minutes. Ooh. Yeah, 15 minutes so I could hang out with my friends for three hours. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Come home drunk. Drunk, get told to sleep on the couch. like weed. That's great. <laughs> oh, that's uh, okay. That's fun. Sorry. I got to figure out where we're going next with this conversation. Let's good. talk about um, your wife. You met your wife at... Uh... The wife? That... Hmm, that's a... It's a long, weird love story. And I say it's a love story because uh, it, it worked out. Um, <laughs> it's not like we didn't like, I met her originally taking an extra semester. Cause again, I told you the whole school thing was I wanted to just do comedy and I tried to go to university and all that kind of crazy stuff. And, um, so I took an extra semester at a school and she was at that school. And so I met her there. Um, we didn't really know each other, but I knew who she was. She was in, uh, you know, a couple classes that I'd seen her in that kind of shit. Cause I was just trying to get a couple extra credits to kind of add on and then, you know, get the average up and break out. So then after I left that summer or that semester, I didn't see her again. I was again trying to do comedy and then went to hang out. One of my boys was going to York University and uh, he took me to one of the pub nights on a Thursday and then she happened to be there and she's like, hey, remember me? And I was like, yeah, I remember you. Gave her my number. Uh, She never called. And then uh, she didn't know I was doing comedy uh, or else she'd be mesmerized. And then uh, and then I, I met her again. I don't know, maybe maybe less than a year later at uh, my cousin played football for the university and she was on the swim team. And one of his roommates on the football team was dating her friend who was also on the swim team. So I bumped into her randomly again. But at that time, like I said, uh, uh, chicks were coming at me that normally, you know, wouldn't. Mm-hmm. So uh, I thought I was a player. I had zero 
experience of being a player, so I was horrible at it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I would get pussy on the side, but I would always get caught. Um, so we had this weird uh, back and forth, back and forth um, thing. And then long story short, we eventually um, we had broken up and then we got back together and then we spoke about shit and then we started dating. And then that was pretty much it, man. And then, you know, eventually got married and all that kind of good stuff. And I mean, we've been married 10 years now, but we've been together off and on, all together, about 20 years now. Shit, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You met her while you were kind of starting out. Yes. She must have had to learn the process with you then, too. Which is is what I think keeps us together and mm-hmm. is what keeps me together. And I mean that comedically and and uh, romantically and, and, you know, matrimonially. But I think being a comedian, like, you need a woman who understands She completely understands. But l- also what I lucked out on is the fact that she completely has her own life outside of of me and did before she met me Mm -hmm. and 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 you know all during so she still has her own friends you know so yeah we hang out together and we do stuff together but when she's like hey i'm gonna go hang out with the girls or or do whatever she's you know it's it's completely cool and she had been and seen enough operation comedy shows in operation whether it be open mics real shows small shows big shows shit shows Mm -hmm. uh to see how they run how comedians act that you know we do the show and like you said the social aspect and we get hammered after or get high or or whatever yeah whatever your poison is yeah yeah go eat and just talk till like four in the morning and and like you need a woman that understands that is the job yes yes so she completely gets that aspect of it so there's no any real hassle even the fact that she has never once asked me to quit comedy or get another job Mm -hmm. All, all she's ever asked thank god is uh just just try to do better and work harder every year that's all i ask and that's all i try to do because i don't ever want to stop doing this yeah no nobody does man and like like, because i've got um like kira she's not a stand-up uh but she's working she's been working in comedy she did sketch and everything and she's just she understands she's not a typical civilian yeah she's not a civilian i don't consider her a civilian like she's uh she gets that i have to go out on a tuesday do some open mic and then oh we're all gonna hang out afterwards she's like yeah i get it and then like she joins a lot of the time yeah and um, still sometimes laughs at my jokes. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's actually what I still like about uh, about my wife is not necessarily that she she laughs at my joke jokes. It's the stupid, silly shit that has nothing to do with creating a, a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like when we people watch or we're hanging out or stupid shit pops up on TV or a movie or whatever. Yeah. It's just the random things. And the fact that she genuinely belly laughs and, and you know, that kind of shit yeah. that's that's why i know we're still you know, i always still I, cool. always I always try and embarrass kira um if we're out in public and <laughs> it doesn't work like she you can't embarrass her She's you can't offend. like uh if i'm picking her up somewhere like Sam parked across the street and I see her, I'll just start laying on the horn like out That's the window, hilarious. like babe, hey, right here, right here. Like, and she until, just starts giggling until she gets to the car. She's like, fuck, gets in the car. She's like, you are an idiot. <laughs> but that's the best. That's the beauty of it. That's yeah, yeah. the beauty of it. You know. Yeah, so. she's. Uh, Oh. But she literally has seen seen it all, you know. So um, she still comes out to shows from time to time, you know, when she wants to. Mm-hmm. Uh, she'll usually she'll ask who's on the show, and depending upon who it yeah, is, she's like, oh, yeah, like, she's like, oh, sure, oh yeah, I want to yeah, see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she'll pop out, but you know, for the most part, she's cool, man. She's like, my my wife likes to eat, and she likes to sleep. So she's like, yeah, fuck it, leave me with some food, and uh, I'm good to go. And mm-hmm. that's usually what it is. Just leave that shit, and then I bounce. What are you doing during the day? Like, are you doing anything? You're doing writing, like. I try to do stuff like that. I try to do. uh, I try to do more writing. 
Are you picking up little jobs or anything? Like, uh, there've been a couple. I mean, over the years, there've been a few uh, writing gigs here and there. Um, I've I've never held a job that wasn't entertainment related yeah you know there was no part-time walmart job there was no you know that kind of shit like, that's, why, that's how i justify my day job I'm like well i do work in tv so it, <laughs> but it's I, it's nothing to do with fucking television it's just i work with commercials for fuck's sake it's all know? good man you still the good thing about that is that you still meet proper people that you could and you yeah, eventually yeah. use you know going down the road so uh for the most part uh my regimen these days those who do know me is the, you wake the, up you the, go the to work. the gym i drop the kids off and then i go to the gym and work out and go then to i the gym then i shit for three hours and then i come home and, and, uh, <laughs> and then i try Just to write shakes and you know how it is and then uh uh, and and that's just pretty much the cycle. So I'll try to write it in the day and then uh, grab the kids and then eventually uh, take off and try to hit a room here or there or, or you know, or whatnot. So when, uh, how long are you married before you have kids? Two years. Two years. Was it planned? Like, were you the like, f- okay, like yes. we're going to start having kids? Yes. I've got Kira like a, very close to letting me get a vasectomy. Because nice. um, I don't want kids um, just because I'm a selfish prick mm-hmm. and I don't want to change the way I'm living my life. Mm-hmm. And um, but uh, it's a huge it's huge. Oh, no. Yeah. It's the biggest. Yeah. The biggest change ever. You figured it out that you're like, OK, we're doing this and you're going to be able to still do comedy. And the crazy part is, I think if uh, and, I, and I don't mean this selfishly and I don't mean this because I don't love my kids or I don't I, I wouldn't didn't want or don't want kids or think I, I think I honestly believe if because she's also an only child. So if I wasn't an only child and she wasn't an only child and I had brothers and sisters that had kids and I had nieces and nephews and shit like that that I can kind of yeah. you know look after and, and kind of take care of my own and when I go bring gifts like I yeah. would my actual kids and and you know fuck around with them and all that kind of stuff it's quite possible I would not have had kids but because my situation was it's not that I don't like kids. Uh, I love kids. And uh, so we decided, hey, let's have let's let's start a family because usually I'm just too stupid to know any better. I didn't know how tough or, or how much of a sacrifice and all that kind of shit. So I kind of learned that on the on the fly. Mm-hmm. Um, and luckily for me as well, her job uh, gave her the full maternity year. So she had the year yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. So we had a year together to kind of figure shit out. So it wasn't like she took off three months back to work or six months back to work. And then I got it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So eventually what happened was uh, I had decided I was also going to go on paternity leave. And I, I, I pretty much had yanked myself from comedy. Um, I had made that decision. It wasn't even like, oh, fuck, I gotta stop. Uh, I yanked myself out. And then eventually they were a bunch of, and this is when the boom of of open mic rooms because all the young you know humber college millennial you know we're gonna learn how to be comedians everyone started having a room and then had a lot of late night rooms so once we got the sleep pattern shit down then it was like you know what fuck it i'm out and then i would go do a room and that that became how i got back to how long were you got how long did you step away for uh, I don't know, nine months maybe. What is it like a paternity leave when you're a 
comic. It's well, so, like, I, it was self-imposed. It yeah, wasn't, you're just yeah, broke yeah, yeah. for nine yeah, months. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, there's yeah, no... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, luckily, luckily, she was making decent coin. Uh, like, could you, could you coin. collect UI when you're doing that or no? Like, I don't think, I don't as think a comedian, so. I don't think any of us no, pay into that, so. do we? I, I also, leading up to the kid, uh, and it's going to sound so, so fucking grimy, um, but it's not. I went to, to, I call it, anytime I need to, to say about money, like right before we got married or right before we bought a house or right before we got a kid, I always go into what I call smash and grab mode, which is literally take any and every fucking gig. I don't give a shit what you offer me mm-hmm. or whatever it is. If it's $50, I'm taking it. If it's $300, I'll take it. If it's, you know, 75, mm-hmm. 82, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm t- so I, I, I try to, to, to pool as much money together as possible. And then we kind of, you know, we dipped, you know what I mean? So shit was, shit was still being paid for. Um, we were just not living necessarily high off the hog type mm-hmm. shit. You know what I mean? We didn't really go out anywhere, that kind of, and plus we couldn't go out anywhere. We, I, I don't, I, we didn't have babysitters and that kind did of you, stuff. Did uh, you, were you, did you move to the Burbs when you started the family or? We moved to the Burbs when we got married, man. Okay. So we were already out there. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I did a little stretch out there. Yeah. Ajax. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bought that, my ex-wife a lovely house I'm in Ajax. still there. <laughs> I'll tell her you said hi next time I see her. So shop at the same Costco. I, that'd have been all right if I was still with her. We could have been fucking Saturdays together at the, uh, at the old soccer fields. I know. <laughs> I'd be the guy with the flask. I'll be the guy the with joints. the fucking bong. <laughs> <laughs> Getting yellow cards. So uh, how how far away are your kids? Or like just under two years apart. Okay. So they were they were pretty close. Um, <clears throat> and did you, because you were both um, only children? You're like let's 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 have two or I we we both always wanted to because yeah. uh, I think every, everyone wants a sibling. Yeah, up, yeah. I think we always wanted two, and then it, it just it literally worked out that way like they're very close together and at the at the time it was really tough because you got two kids under two and you're still trying to figure out this one and then there's a new one Mm -hmm. Uh, but it worked out it completely worked out so they basically got out of diapers around the same time and then all all the other shit that that comes along with it and now they're they pretty much they're like best friends they run their own lives now yeah yeah, pretty much when uh when your wife goes back to work are you just your stay-at-home dad you're doing the uh duties during yeah. the day, yeah, yeah, pretty and then much. pass them off at night and hitting the hitting pretty, the shows. Pre, that's pretty much what it was. Yeah, I mean, she and again because she completely understands how it works and how things, you know, in order to to get paid or to get better or to yeah. you know work out material, she knew that. So as long as shit was taken care of at home, you know, all right, cool, go do your thing, and and you know, because mm-hmm. it was just then put them to bed, and then all right, cool, I'll watch TV or do whatever, and then you all right, let me know how it goes. So those and it seems all work out. What do you kids think about what you do? They love it, man. <laughs> it's funny because uh, oddly enough, even when they were like babies, babies before they can talk and 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 they would be up when I was leaving, I would always say even before they could talk, "Daddy's going to work." Daddy's going to work. So even as they got older, uh, there'd be a couple times they'd catch a you know a clip from you know a festival, like if CBC was you know showing you know me on Halifax or yeah. whatever it was on on you know a commercial. Hey, Daddy's on you know. So they had an idea what I, I did, and then some of the the um the cultural shows that i do like the caribbean shows which are cleaner in nature um uh sometimes i would take them 
you know, because they could hang out and do whatever. And mm-hmm. so they kind of, they don't get it, but, you know, they they see what I do and, and they're completely comfortable. So, again, I'm glad that they completely understand the process and it's not one of those, my dad's leaving again. <laughs> like, they completely get it. You know what I mean? So, um, and I, I feel blessed that way all the way around that, uh, you know, yeah. I have a, a family of fucking those who get it and yeah, man, the support fucking... system is a key thing in anything yeah especially yeah something as absurd as what we do i mean you know as well as as a lot of people who do know me that uh i i try to be a pretty decent dad and and go to all the shit that they got and 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 make the, that that you, time for what them. Are you kids in, in soccer the athletes soccer uh uh, taekwondo, a little bit of swimming, but swimming's not really a sport. Um, see, daughter's into gymnastics and shit. So you got to work that out, man. If, I can, if you, you, you had white kids, <laughs> it's 500 bucks before they even step on the ice for a hockey game. Oh, dude, trust me, man. I Actually, don't even probably want more them, than that. I don't even want them anywhere near hockey, man. Like, I heard my, my boys, my, my boy boys that have their kids that are in hockey, they said just take away everything else just the equipment alone and how how quickly you have to yeah. buy equipment because they grow out of it and grow out of it and yeah. it's just well, i had i had two insane. older brothers so i uh i got the stuff they grew out of real quick <laughs> well there you yeah. i don't know it was my dad always made sure we had good equipment so it yeah. did last through yeah. through the kids like and i'd always get uh new skates he'd always make sure he, that's cool never get hand-me-down skates ccm super tax um, what was it? Ba- the Bauer. Bowers. Bauer 3000s. Yeah. I remember that was the last pair of skates might have about me. Bauer 3000s. Man. They got to be at like 20,000 by now. I ankle burned a ton of those. <laughs> <laughs> Still ankle burn. Did you, uh, did you get on skates? I can skate well enough. Yeah. Uh, but to say that uh, if you guys are like, hey, come out and join the, the men's comedy hockey league, that, that's, that shit's not happening. I saw a picture of you playing uh, ball hockey. Ball hockey, I'll completely do. Mm-hmm. I, I, I completely underestimated how big a fucking hockey rink was <laughs> until uh, until I played ball hockey. Man. Yeah, it's a lot of running. Man, like, I Can we just play half court, guys? Oh, trust me, dude. <laughs> trust me. Can we just play 21? <laughs> play horse? I like, I like playing, uh, you play sideways on the rink and just put the nets on the... Uh, so you're just That's the way to do it, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, how come nobody has their jacket wrapped around their knees? <laughs> this isn't real ball hockey. Okay, um, let's talk about um, the diversity or lack of diversity in comedy. Uh, I know it's been a hot button issue for you lately at the lately the YY has. Fest. I don't know. I don't. It, that that wasn't even the catalyst. <laughs> that was just probably the last one that I, I happened to see. Um, that just really, I was just like, you know what, man, fuck this, dude. And and well, my problem is, I'm I'm so ignorant to all of this because i don't like because it's never affected me like i don't get it like i uh like i've never looked at a list of a show i put on and go shit i need a black guy no no but you also respect good comedy mm-hmm. and you also know that good comedy comes in different packages yeah, yeah. so you will have you can't tell me that most of your shows are like no black dudes or or no women or no whatever you know if they're funny that they're funny and i'm just saying that i know that there's enough funny every type of comedian mm-hmm. that they should be on the shows and i'm not saying every show needs to have one black guy or one gay comic or or one woman comic or whatever yeah. but at least make the attempt to make it look like you're you're representing the comedy scene man mm-hmm. yeah like there's some some lineups where i'm like okay cool if it's an all-white dude i'm like this this motherfucker's not even funny i've i, I see i've never looked i always try to find a woman to put on my show because because you get shit for that a lot in comedy <laughs> But the thing is, 
no girls ask me to be on my show. And the girls that do I, ask I me, make the attempt I don't the fucking want them on my show. Yeah, yeah. Not because they're a woman, because they're bad at comedy, you know? But there's ones I'm like, yeah, I'll get you on yeah. eventually. But like... I make the attempt. I always make the attempt to put women on and not just women i make the i make the attempt to make it balanced with funny people because mm-hmm. i know we don't get the, and and the thing that uh that pissed me off about the calgary com the yyc or whatever when i saw the gala and it's okay cool whatever it was white dude white dude white dude you know white 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 it was more like the white white sea not the, the yyc is, it's also calgary too like but again where what's the fan fl- base but like they're, but they're but come on man i don't know like, live, i've never been so, up there <laughs> so who's who's uh, the reason that doesn't hold up as a as a as a proper i don't even want to say excuse or caveat or whatever the yeah. fuck the word is the reason that doesn't hold up is because you said it earlier we live in a society where everything is accessible whether it be through cable through through uh online through youtube to netflix to hulu mm-hmm. to you name it and the comedy landscape internationally around the world you know some of the top comics are are dudes like uh dave chappelle you know jared carmichael um you know even even if you want to get a little older throwing the chris rock uh, yes the bill burrs and 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 all that kind of stuff the amy schumers and all that kind of stuff you can't tell me that audiences out there don't know that comedians like that exist yeah, yeah, yeah. and and so the thing that had burned me about the 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 calgary comedy thing was wasn't even that one show when i went something just i was like fuck it and then i went to to the website and then i looked at the performers and there were 50 performers ones that were not just canadian but actually flown in internationally and it was like just white 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 and you got, i'm like get out one of asian here. guy one asian yeah, but he was barely Asian. He just had an Asian last name. He didn't even look Asian. So it was just one of those, you know what? Fuck this, man. At least at some point, you know what I mean? I know there's so many dudes here that, that are, are just as funny. Just pick one. When you started out, like, was it uh, was it clear and present that there was going to be a challenge being black? Or Here's the a weird story, and and I still say it to this day, I've never brought it up to him, because one, I just don't think he's, he would remember, and I also don't necessarily think his, his intention was, at least I'd like to believe this wasn't his intention. So when I first started out as, as a, a late teen, uh, early 20s, uh, I was into, huge into, they had all that political rap, the public enemy, the KRS-1s, you know, that real kind of, you know, militant black kind of oh yeah rap and and stuff like that i was reading malcolm x and all that kind of crazy shit not that i thought we were better than anyone or being black is better than anybody or anything like that uh it's just that i had who you are yes i had enough respect for myself and i had enough respect for my culture and all that kind of stuff that hey you know what if i could treat you cool you treat me cool kind Mm -hmm. of thing it had one of those those showcase sets um this was way back in the the bay and bloor yuck yucks like way back in the day Anybody who's done a showcase for for Breslin or Yuck Yucks, what happens is everyone kind of, you know, after the show gets sat somewhere else and then you get called and you're either told, you know, you you get to get regular nights or semi-regular nights or you can call in on Wednesdays or whatever the fuck it is you get. (laughs) And um, what he had said to me, and again, the same thing I told you, I was a young kid that that grew up in Fleming Park, you know, around the Roaches and other blacks and other immigrants and and people from other countries and stuff. So the first rule I had ever figured about about comedy was talk about what you know and that's what I knew you know so what he had said to me at the time was um 
if you were to get, if we were to hire you, uh, we were to book you on shows, you would be doing a lot of shows outside of Toronto, you know, in North and stuff. And, and the communities wouldn't look like, you know, what you're used to. Mm-hmm. And you'd have to talk about things that they can relate to with black people, like, you know, stealing cars and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. Right. So I immediately locked off. So as I'm older now in my head to give him the benefit of the doubt, what I think he was maybe trying to say without saying it like that. And, and it was, uh, you might need to talk about things that are more relatable yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or generic so that these people can understand. But <clears throat> yeah, all like I if you're going about, up to Timmins, you can't yes. like be talking about the project. Yeah. Or talking about, you know, spicy jerk chair or whatever, yeah, yeah. whatever it was that I was going to talk about, uh, that related directly to my culture. Cause, and again, this was way before the, the internet and people had access to shit so i locked off on on that like immediately but I, and again i knew nothing about nothing right but <laughs> in that early instance i had met dudes like um marlon brand i had met russell peters i had met kenny robinson uh ronnie edwards uh who else was around back and then and there was even like italian dudes that, that were there and that kind of stuff so i never really thought past you know the race thing because again I, I grew up in toronto oddly enough naive yeah. naive to racism because <laughs> well that's that's the city around, we live in like yeah. it's 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 not a big issue here because it's so multicultural as well as as and and the other thing that added to that was what some people may not know about trinidad it's the same thing in trinidad it is literally everything it's black people it's indians it's chinese it's syrian it's whites it's jews yeah. uh it's spanish people it's you know like what we would consider native, you know, the, the original people that were there, the Caribs and the Arawaks that have all mixed together and all that kind of crazy stuff. So even when I looked around in Trinidad or, or if I'm looking around in Toronto, everybody of every different, you name it. And they weren't just different colors. They were different religions. There was Muslims and Protestants and, mm-hmm. and Buddhists and Hindus and all that kind of crazy Catholics and all that kind of stuff. So I was just used to everybody looking different. So I guess when he had, I, I never thought going forward or going outside of that, that it would be so, you know, I don't even want to say exclusive, but it, it would be so. Well, it gets real exclusive. white once you leave the GTA. Oh, dude. <laughs> How dude. did you find like, say you you get sent to Sudbury for a show like like your first trip to Sudbury like did you bomb Tom State said it to me a long time ago right before he had left for LA and I didn't even really know Tom State and I knew guys who liked him and were in love with Tom State and and again this was one of those things that I think I misinterpreted it uh, not I I think I definitely know I misinterpreted then at the time Kenny had started his Nubian show and and so I was you know it's pretty hot on those things and and Def Jam was huge and all that kind of shit back then and uh, I saw Tom stayed. He was right before he was about to leave for L.A. I, th- I even think it was the night before. And he was like hammered and high and all that kind of stuff. And he had seen me on stage. And what he said to me was, uh, you don't even know what your voice is. But I misinterpreted in thinking that uh, that he meant my my cadence, like how I talk. Like, yo, what's happening, man? Like, yeah. that, I thought he was talking about that. But it wasn't until years later that I, re- I realized. Oh, my voice. Yes. <laughs> like what what people call your brand or, or yeah. how people see you. I didn't realize that's what he was talking about then, you know. So now I, I had zero clue that, you know, that that's what I would have to worry about going forward kind of thing. So it was just, ugh. Was there uh, was there any bad times on the road where you directly experienced some fucking good old boy racism? I never stuck around long enough, man. No, like, just do the show. Even in, in, even in those shows, then like going forward, the whole process to me, 
I call it the in mathematics in in division you call it um, lowest common denominator. So sometimes it became instead of standing my ground and going, no, I'm going to give you what my comedy is and you guys are either going to love it or you're just going to hate me. It just got to the point where sometimes I'm okay. I'm okay with just being funny. Like I, I enjoy all types of humor that I don't necessarily need to be only the one guy. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the militant guy or I'm the political guy or I'm the, so if people want to talk and, and I like talking about different things. I like talking about sex. I like talking about movies. I like doing voices. I yeah. like doing relationship yeah, stuff. Like I, I, I wouldn't like I've seen we've done a bunch of shows together. I've I always watch you when you know, I open for you because it's fucking it's great to watch. Thank you. It's never an agenda. It's no. never no no no. It's, uh, no. it's just fuck man. This happened to me the other day. Yeah. You know, and it's it, also that's that's also who I am as a person. I. I I also don't necessarily think, and I, and and whoever, if that's what people's modus operandi on stage is, as a comedian is, then that's cool, and I'm not mad at it. I, it's not my job to judge. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't have to, you know, uh, I'm I'm not mad. It, it's not like we're not going to hang out or whatever. I also, in my head, sometimes think that um, people don't necessarily come to shows to to necessarily be preached or pushed in one direction, and then that's cool if they are. If if as a comedian, that's what you want to do. I think people come to laugh it's a comedy show so depending upon the audience if you you have figured out an audience early enough um and the setup is proper then then you can stick to your agenda and and if not you know all right cool as long as i'm not making shit up or i'm not pandering or i'm not tap dancing for these cocksuckers i'm completely okay with that and like you said i life is life and and if we give each other enough of a chance we realize that we have more experiences in common than we give each other credit for we all got to eat we all got to fuck we all got to love we all got to hate we all got to break up we all got to you know what i mean we all know someone that's had a baby we all know Mm -hmm. you know and you name it we all have to do it you know what i mean so and i also think i have the luxury of having a a a kind of bassy kind of voice uh that kind of calms people down and and i'm not an intimidating looking dude you know i'm not a big you know you're a gorgeous man thank you sir um so (laughs) runs in the family yeah you know what i mean uh so I, i i ultimately just want people to leave entertained i just want people to laugh that's that's i want them to forget the reason i do it and it sounds corny is i want people to forget whatever little bullshit problems they have for however long our show is so if Mm -hmm. our show is 45 minutes hopefully we can make them forget about you know their shit for 45 minutes if not at least 12 minutes yeah so that's all it is i'm just trying to be funny man that's what we're all here for hence the reason put more black people on your goddamn shows (laughs) black people be funny fucking funny black people be funny yo (laughs) (laughs) well i do apologize you are the lone black man on my show tonight but um (laughs) I uh, I don't have a lot of Hilarious. black friends, as you noticed. <laughs> Neither do I. God, am I right? <laughs> uh, anyway, um, that's pretty much our time. What did you think of the uh, your potato experience here? The shitty part is I'm upset that it's over. I know, I know. I could actually talk to you all night, but we got a show to do. So We're, do I get to come back and do another one of these? We'll, or we'll get you back in nice. here one of these days, nice. pal. I'll um, bring a black friend with me. <laughs> a bringer. Get, get, Two black people, man. Fucking rare. I, I wouldn't even know how to deal with two black people. It's not nice stuff in here to steal. That's great. <laughs> um, there's plenty to steal at the Never Sleeps Network. Um, this has been the Potato Files. Jo- jo- 
John Paul. Tell us where people can find you. Uh, you can check me out on my website, uh, jeanpaulcomedy.com, or pretty much uh, my social media handle is the exact same thing, at jeanpaul.com. And uh, if not, you can see me uh, out there making the world a better place. All right. And uh, if you're looking for me, um, I'm at Jeff Paul Comedy. That's most of the socials. You can find me on that same handle. And uh, if you're looking to see me live, come down to the Underground Comedy Club every Wednesday night for Dope and Mike Comedy. It's my favorite room in the city. Fucking A. And uh, Yuck Yucks works me sometimes, too. So come out to those clubs. All right, guys, it's been our, another edition of The Potato Files. Um, tune in uh, next time because uh, we're going to have some more guests and we're going to talk some more shit. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, John Paul. Bye-bye. Island Hipsters out. <laughs>